Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. The weeks get wilder. <laughs> it's amazing. I don't think anything new and fresh can happen. Uh, this is worldwide, but Donald Trump keeps us busy here in the United States. Uh, it's a lot. Boy, what's happening. We're all screwed up. That's the simplest way of putting it. Uh, well, we've got quite a show tonight, some amusing, some sad, some serious. Uh, we're going to be traveling to New York City, Key West, Washington, D.C., the state of Washington, Iran, uh, Michigan, and back to uh, Washington to Seattle. We're going to start with this. I'm going to give you some items of breaking news that I picked up only since the 6 o'clock news tonight. Our esteemed president, Donald Trump, is in a major crisis, coronavirus, and he has been in that crisis for several years now. And I blame him for where we are at because he didn't do what was necessary at the right times Uh, to take a hold of this problem, deal with it, and get us on the path to a cure, uh, etc. Now, with this big deal out there, people dying every day, more and more cases happening, all 50 states today are in a surge, uh, a surge. And that means the numbers are going up and up, and more and more people are getting sick, the hospitals are overloaded. Guess what? Donald Trump, our esteemed leader, has not attended a coronavirus task force meeting in five months. Would you believe that? With all this disaster around us, his responsibility, he's numero uno, the number one guy. And he has not attended a coronavirus task force meeting in five months because this isn't important to him. What's important to him right now is getting the election overturned, which is a numerical impossibility, as everyone knows, except Trump and some of his most loyal followers. All right, moving on to another item of breaking news. This this has humor to it. Donald and his tweets. Now, he tweets tons every day, sometimes 40, 50, maybe more. I don't know. All I know is every time I look on Facebook, I'm running into another tweet. Excuse me. It was revealed today that Trump has his tweets printed. You know, after they're run, he gets them in printed version so he can reread them and correct them if something is wrong. And he also uses them if something has to be brought to the attention of some person that he wants their opinion changed or influenced, like a senator or a congressman. Did you see this tweet? Uh, this is what the president said on June 4th, et cetera, et cetera. And after the congressperson or senator says, oh, I didn't know. Now I know. Now I can deal with it. Smart guy. Now let me tell you something. He prints the tweet so he can read them himself. Uh, self-glandizement. Is that, the way, is that the term, glandizement? Anyhow, I raised the question. Are Trump's printed tweets equal to Nixon's tapes? Don't know. Maybe. Let's talk about Senator Lindsey Graham. 
this guy amazes me. He, he has amazed me in the last two years. Before, I thought he was a decent senator. Now I'm beginning to wonder where his head is. I think it's up Trump's ass, with all due respect, right now. But here was a man whose best friend for years was John McCain. Now, if you look at John McCain and Trump at the same time, one person personifies goodness, the other evil. Uh, no question about it. One a hero, the other one had bone chips in his heel or something, spurs in his heel and couldn't go into the service. Well, now his new friend is Donald Trump. And he's been Trump's friend since McCain died. And they play golf together, they do this and they do that. And I don't know how you can go from one to the other. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'll tell you this, McCain's been a senator too long, 17 years now. I've been an advocate of term limits. I would make a United States senator, I would limit them to two terms of three years each. I would limit a House of Representatives person to two terms of two years each. They belong back home on the farm working, as as our founding fathers uh, thought it would be, and not making a career out of government in Washington, D.C. Now, <clears throat> seems Lindsey may have gotten himself into a little hot water today, uh, or maybe yesterday, but they've broken the news today. And here's what happened. Lindsey Graham is from South Carolina. There is a recount of the presidential excuse me, election ongoing yet in Georgia. There was a telephone conference call involving several people. One was Lindsey Graham. One was a Brad Raffensperger, Brad Raffensperger, who is the Secretary of State uh, for Georgia. So here's South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, on a phone call with some people from Georgia, and the whole purpose of it, because we're, they're undergoing in Georgia right now, the recount, was to see if there was a way. This is what Lindsey Graham said. He asked a question or two about tossing, you heard the word tossing, some of the ballots in the recount out, throw them away so nobody sees them. Of course, there would be uh, Biden votes. You know, he wanted to find a way, and he asked if these guys knew, to legally cast Georgia ballots so they're not available to be counted in the audit. Well, they got him for saying what he did because the, the fellow who blew the whistle on him was the Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Reffensperger. Uh, but there are other people listening to this, and he's going to have a hard time disputing it. He came up with some cock and bull story on television tonight that didn't seem to correspond or make sense. The, whatever they want to do in tossing ballots, it won't make any difference. Biden won too big. He won by 14,000 votes. To upset 14,000 votes in a recount, in a presidential recount, in a major state, is a numerical impossibility. Everyone says it. So they got 2,000 votes. They, they hide. They bury. They throw them in the ash can. What difference does it make? Biden still wins by 12,000. <clears> so that's the story there. Lindsey's got his ass in a sling for a while. 
I don't think it's going to throw him out of office, but it doesn't look good for the home team. Ralph Giuliani. I'm still into breaking news. Ralph Giuliani. The man absolutely amazes me. Uh, I remember when he was a great lawyer, when he was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He put all the bad guys in jail. He was terrific. Uh, And then, 9-11, he was a hero, okay? He became the world's mayor. People looked at him as the world's mayor for years after that because of the way he conducted himself during 9-11. Well, Trump's been losing his lawsuits uh, to set aside the election. Uh, He's had several lawsuits. The last number I knew was 14, and he had lost all 14 cases. (laughs) He was doing good. (laughs) Uh, There may be more, but he hasn't won a case yet. So his lawyers started withdrawing on him last week uh, all over the country because there's really – ethical questions involved in these things. A lawyer cannot bring a lawsuit in federal court if it isn't based in fact and in law. Otherwise, it's considered a frivolous lawsuit. And the lawyer gets his ass in a sling. The only way I can describe it, he would be fined, sanctioned big time by the judge. And in this type of case, a $100,000 fine would not be uncommon because we're dealing with a... um, monumentous case, the President of the United States and ballot fraud. Well, at the end of last week, with all his lawyers dropping off, Trump announced Giuliani says, yes, this is the way it is, that Giuliani was now becoming his head attorney, leading all the other lawyers, whoever they may be, because they're finding they're having a hard time. Trump is having a hard time. His son-in-law, Jared, is having a hard time finding lawyers across this country who even want to represent the president of the United States. What normally would be an honor, they don't want having anything to do with. So here's what came out today regarding Giuliani. He wants a payday of $20,000, $20,000 a day for every day he works on this case. And I assure you, now having seen the nature of the animal, the nature of the beast, whether he does or not, he will say he worked a total of uh, he worked all day on Trump's case seven days a week at twenty thousand dollars a day. That's wild. I practiced law for forty six years. I was well compensated for my efforts. I, I was involved in major environmental cases uh, across the country. And uh, I got paid well for this stuff, uh, very well. I was representing corporate America, the primary polluters in these cases. I wasn't a good guy. I was working for money. And I got paid exceptionally well. No way, no way did it even come close to $20,000 a day. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know any attorney that ever made $20,000 a day, maybe a Washington lawyer or a New York City lawyer on a very special, intricate case might get up to $15,000 a day. Highly unusual, though. But Giuliani wants $20,000 a day at a time in his life where he's totally inept. Now, there's been some dispute as to whether the president wants to pay him 20 or offered him 20 or it's Giuliani's idea. So the last conversation on this just before the evening news came out, 
uh, Giuliani says, uh, we left it, Trump and I, that we will decide at the end what my fee should be. Well, if that's the case, and he isn't getting paid as he does his work, we know Donald Trump is never going to pay Giuliani because he has a history of never paying his lawyers. Okay, very simple. And whatever Giuliani does here, he's doing for himself, that's all. He's in all his glory when he's in front of those TV cameras. When he was pontificating, now we got people from where? Venezuela, 600,000 votes coming out of some computer system or something in the election uh, that uh, negated 600,000 votes uh, across the United States. The guy's nuts. (laughs) Absolutely nuts. And he's going to get in trouble. He's never going to get paid by Donald Trump. And number two, uh, he's going to get in trouble with the courts. A federal judge is going to say, Mr. Trump, we've been over this in other cases. I told you there's no basis in law or fact here. Uh, Why'd you bring this case? And he will insist. Giuliani, that it was a valid, proper case to bring. And the judge is finally going to say, Mr. Giuliani, I'm going to sanction you under Rule 11 of the Federal Rules of Procedure. And I'm going to sanction you. It's up to the judge the amount. This is a $50,000 sanction. Easy. Absolutely easy. No lawyer wants to be sanctioned. That money comes out of the, not out of the client's pocket. It comes out of the attorney's pocket. Okay, that's the breaking news for tonight. Let's move on now. What I'm going to share with you, uh, you you may find distressing. It may make you despondent. It is basically the essence of the blog I wrote yesterday for Key West Lou. Uh, And it was sad, but it was something that I thought had to be addressed it was bouncing around out there in the media, but not too much. And here's the story, uh, and I hope it doesn't make you too sad, but we have to face up to what's happening. We've got to be prepared, especially the old people in this country. We had 11 million cases now. We have in excess of 11 million coronavirus cases in, in the United States. Last week, in, it was 10 million. In six days, less than one week, it went to 11 million. Can you imagine that many new cases? That averages out to about 160,000 new coronavirus cases a day. That is a wow, my friends. Never so many. Absolutely not even close to so many. Now, here's what's happening, and this has been coming across the media last week, because things are moving fast. You have to remember this germ This virus, rather, moves rapidly. Decisions have to be made rapidly. Things have to be done rapidly. Well, the hospitals, because every state is up, all 50 states, are complaining. They're running out of uh, beds, beds, ICU beds, ICU beds. They're putting people up in halls. They're putting them up in everything but closets in hospitals. They have no more room. They're running out of equipment. They're running out of ventilators. We've got warehouses full of ventilators, Donald tells us. They're running out of masks. They're running out of everything. 
Remember, Donald says, oh, he said it every month for the last several months. We're way ahead of testing now. We've got so many testing kits. We're sending them to other countries, just as he has been saying. We're sending the inhalators to other countries. We don't have enough here. We're in trouble. And also, we have worked our doctors and nurses to the bone. So what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The hospitals will not be able to take every coronavirus patient. There just will not be room. So now someone has to make the decision. Who gets admitted to the hospital to be cared for and hopefully saved? And who does not has to go home and die? And there's a consensus out there, which bothers me, that the elderly are senior citizens Those generally 80 years or older, and this affects me, I'm 85, uh, we don't help them. We can't help them. We have to choose. Because who has a better, and the test will be, who has the better chance of surviving? The 40 or 50-year-old or an 80-year-old? Obviously, it's the 40 or 50-year-old. Treatment of the virus during this year has proven that. The younger people have an easier chance of surviving. Uh, makes sense. So we don't treat the elderly. We just send them home to die. <laughs> now, that ain't healthy, especially I don't like it. Now, there are a lot of senior citizens in this country, I'm sure, don't like it when they will not like it when they become aware of it. That's one problem. Who's going to decide who lives or dies? Who's going to stand on the steps of the hospital and say, you come in, you don't get admitted? Okay, is it going to be a doctor? Is it going to be a nurse? Doctors and nurses are sworn to safeguard life, to preserve life, not to kill people. That's the oath they take. Now we're going to ask them to decide who's going to live and who's going to die. They didn't sign up for this. No way. Well, the talk is we're going to have triages. That's where several people will get together, probably doctors, nurses, and some hospital administrators. And as a group, they'll make the decision, you live or you die. And the group they're going to go after initially and keep out are going to be the elderly. We're not going to get the care and attention we deserve. What about the doctors and nurses who have retired, were retired, and When the coronavirus bug hit big time several months ago, they came out of retirement and went back to work. People in their 70s and 80s, doctors and nurses, I repeat, doctors and nurses in the 70s and 80s, who devoted the last few months, as it will turn out, of their lives to helping people afflicted with the virus. Now we, you know, it's whatever you're going to do has to have uniformity. You're going to Stop one 80-year-old from getting help, then you got to stop them all. So now we've got to say to those doctors and nurses, some of them got the bug because they were in the hospital working, oh, we, we can't take you in and treat you because you fall into the category that cannot be admitted. Eh, this, sound, this sounds terrific, doesn't it? So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's a problem. And you can't do it. You can't say who's going to live or die. There's something basically wrong with that. In Italy, 
when things were bad few, a few months ago and Italy's numbers were way high, it's just coming out. That's how they decided who was going to be admitted to the hospital. Age. Age. And whether the person had some kind of an illness, even though they might be 25, that was going to kill them anyhow. Those two groups would not be admitted. Just coming out that the Italian hospitals rejected the elderly. I'm going to say that really because that's my concern, not because I'm 80, uh, but that's going to be the one that's going to become public initially uh, because they were too old. They were going to be too old. And a person who had cancer, stage four cancer, why bring them back? They're going to be dead in a year or two. You know, we got to save somebody. Let's save the 40-year-old, the 50-year-old, who we know will survive. You know, they've got to have the ventilators. Who's going to get the ventilator? Who's going to get the hospital bed? That's what it's going to come down to. You know, we had this problem with Katrina, New Orleans. This is just coming out. Remember Katrina several years ago? The flooding, all the people that were left there weren't getting the help. Uh, they required from the federal government, who always seems to fail in these national disasters, uh, and left in New Orleans primarily was were the black people. Now, the power was down throughout the city for an extended period of time, long time. I don't know how many days, but long time. The hospitals really couldn't function effectively. Number one, they had no air conditioning. They're in New Orleans. The humidity and heat was killing some people. So the hospitals were a sweat box. They, they didn't have the necessary power to run machinery, to run inhalators or anything else. They had to be selective as to who was going to get that kind of attention. And they didn't pay much attention to the black people. Selective process, that's how they decided Washington State, Washington State did the same thing. It's just coming out that they decided based on age who was going to get in the hospital and who wasn't. And the 80-year-olds did not. So that's what we're confronted with. Uh, It just doesn't make sense that some third party, not God, some third party is going to decide whether the elderly live or die, okay? It's wrong to restrict a person from medical attention because of their age. Then there, there's another issue involved here. I mean, this, this gets worse and worse. Do you tell the elderly that they're not going to get the treatment, they're not being admitted to the hospital because of their age, or do you send them home with a bunch of pills and say, take these pills, you'll get better? Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you, it's got to be a tough decision for the people to make who are going to be stuck making this decision. What I'm trying to say to you is this is coming. And from what I can gather from the little bit I picked up through the media and news releases is that it could come as early as two to four weeks. Because hospitals all over the country are crying out, we don't have any more room, we don't have enough beds, we're 99% occupied, we don't have enough equipment, we don't have enough ventilators. It's going to start quicker than we think. And always keep in mind, the virus moves quicker than anyone thought. Now, moving on. Uh, There's something called the positivity rate. And what it means is uh, we want to know 
what the average is, the average percentage for one week, seven days, of the number of persons getting coronavirus. That's one place where it's used. Now, the New York City School Board uh, has a ruling that they close the schools when there's a positivity rate of 3%. In other words, 3% of the students come down with coronavirus over a seven-day period. The people of New York were upset. The Blasio and Cuomo said, no way, we're going to do this. We have to do it because the numbers have started to go up in New York City also again. Well, it just so happened last week, the city, the students, only had 2.87 positivity rate. They just beat it by a small number, 2.87. But both the governor and the mayor are, are firm. When it hits 3.0, the schools close down. There's something else that Cuomo's doing. I give Cuomo a lot of credit. This was tough. I never thought New York City or New York State would survive the initial onslaught. He did it. And his attitude is, we're not going back there, folks. My job to make sure we don't go back, we're not going back on my watch. Now, what did he do this past week? I'm laughing when I hear it because most cities uh, would not even consider what I'm going to share with you. People who failed in New York City to wear their masks were fined $500. People were arrested. They were fined $500. No problem. You find it, pay up, or go to jail. Terrific. He's going to raise that number because people are not wearing their masks. It isn't the money he wants, Cuomo. Cuomo wants to save people's lives. So now, if you don't wear your mask on the streets of New York City, your fine will be $1,000. Ain't that something? Uh, <laughs> okay, what have I got here next here? positivity also. I didn't want to miss this because my time's running out. I was going through my notes to see what I would pick up next. We have a lot of coronavirus cases in Key West. We're only a community of 28, 29,000 people. Do you know what our positivity rate was last week? You're not going to believe the number I'm going to tell you. 16.9%. They're going to close the schools in New York City at 3%. We're up to 16.9%, okay? We are among, Key West is among the highest positivity rates in the entire nation. Nothing to be proud of. And the reason is our governmental agencies pander to the bar and restaurant people, uh, even our Chamber of Commerce is advertising for people to come and vacation, uh, vacation here when we got this coronavirus problems. Uh, we are the playland for coronavirus on weekends because on weekends people come down here. They drive down from South Florida to spend the weekend. You see, the numbers are up even higher in Miami-Dade and Broward counties. And so they come here to party on the weekend. They drive down. And they eat and they drink. They don't wear their mask. They don't social distance. Who makes love? Who does this? Uh, and so we got. Then they affect our people who are walking the streets and everything else, or maybe working in the bars and restaurants. Bad situation. City's got to crack down. Sixteen point nine percent. The other thing is, so you understand how fantastically bad this is. Last week, 
Key West had 58 new coronavirus cases. That's a big number for a city, 28, 29,000 people. 58 new cases. We have in excess of 1,500 coronavirus cases in Key West so far. Uh, appreciate that in all the Florida Keys, 140 mile long, from Key West to Key Largo, we're the city with the most coronavirus cases. The next closest city, and listen to me, here are these numbers. It, one is Key Largo with 500. The other is Marathon with 350. They're not even close to us because Key West is where everyone wants to come. It's the playland of the Keys. It's the playland of Florida. And it also brings the goddamn bug with them. And people are getting sick down here, and our governmental people aren't doing whatever is necessary to stop this. And if my voice sounds, it has anger, it does about this. My friends, is the show for this week. Horrible, horrible, many of the things I've had to discuss with you. I'll be glad when we're back into happier days. Uh, I do a, I tell you this every week, I do a blog every morning, keywestlou.com. That's where you find it, keywestlou.com. I talk about this, that, and everything else. You may want to read it. Find it at keywestlou.com. If you like the show, you like my blog. If you don't like the show, don't read my blog. It's the same thing, except in words. I thank you again this week for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week. Good night.